0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon, joined by Dalton Del Don. Luckily, thanks, thanks, thanks. What is that? That doesn't make any sense. I'm glad to be joined by Dalton Del Don for our weekly Stat Nerd podcast. Dalton, we've got a lot of actually really good stat notes to dive into today. I think we're going to go in a lot of different directions with these talking points. I know I'm excited about it mostly because it's going to help me prepare for my Friday column. That's really I'm I'm here for for
0: you're here mostly to help me do my work. That's really what this is all about. I'm excited to talk to you, man. <laughs> Week one was crazy. Uh, Harmon. I, I I even shot you a text last week because last my, my main takeaway we'll get to the Niners stuff but I oh, hyped Jesus. Ronald Joe I hyped Ronald Jones last week dude loses a fumble immediately is benched I mean it's just it couldn't have been more perfect I even <laughs> had to shoot you I had to shoot you a text like my guy Ronald man doing work on national TV I also like Damian Harris who was benched and Iuke. so it, it, forget as if the performance and and injuries I already had to worry about now we have to worry about benchings too quite a bit but uh, anyway how, how was your week one Matt.
1: Well, let me tell you this, Dalton. It was funny when you texted me because, uh, what, number one, nobody texts me, really. I, I don't, I'm not a big texter. Nobody texts me. Um, and the fact that I look at my phone, I was like, oh, it's Dalton who never texts me. I'm like, this must be. And I actually was. I was upstairs at the time. I wasn't in front of the TV. I'd left it for like two seconds. I was like, oh, what, what did Ronald Jones do? I was like, oh, he freaking fumbled. <laughs> so it was a great. I got a good kick out of that. I, I appreciate good. it. Uh, what, a, what a rock star. But, yeah, we've got a lot to get into today, man. Incredible week one all the way around. I enjoyed it, but also just a lot of stuff to parse through as well. But before we get to all the stats, all the notes that we've got today, a little pre-show business to get out of the way first, you could still sign up for a Yahoo Fantasy League at sports.yahoo.com slash fantasy. Boom. If you're not doing it yet, what are you waiting for? The time is now um sign up also you can sign up for yahoo fantasy plus take it for a test drive with a free trial you get all sorts of research tools and data unavailable to non-plus players if you're looking to make a trade after week one which i know a thousand people are do- trying to do right now the trade hub will let you know whether it's a good idea or not again that's yahoo fantasy com slash plus all right we're going to get into stats and the trends that we love to see, uh, just in a minute here. But Dalton, I know you wanted to talk about some FOB bids recently, uh, because I, I we're in a league together. I think you um, you unloaded it on uh, on uh, Elijah Mitchell, right? Or, or what 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 do you what are your thoughts here on this whole situation? Because I know I got to te- check your pulse with this because you're you are my Niners resource here.
0: I know the Niners have been talked about to death, but I feel like with Yahoo's uh, fab go running on Tuesday nights, this Wednesday show is a good time. to I know it doesn't come out until Thursdays, but, you know, there's some interesting some weeks are more interesting than others. And this one with Elijah Mitchell, you know, suddenly coming out of nowhere, basically rostered in, in you know what one percent of Yahoo leagues or fewer uh, is, is the number one pickup in. So the the, the the counter to him is that uh, Trey Sermon is going to, you know, suddenly he could be the guy getting the carries. It's it's the shenanigans. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Jeff Wilson's going to eventually return. Um, it's a big, there's certainly downside. It actually almost certainly will not work out in your favor if you went big <laughs> on Mitchell. I went I went 100% in, in all leagues I, I was in because wow. the upside the upside is, um, I think if there was like an NFC primetime high stakes league, he would be like, I don't know, maybe like a fourth or fifth round pick, you know, given the Niners' situation and the fact that Trey Sermon, by the way, is extremely injury prone himself, dating back to college. Uh, DeMichael Hasty made missed three blocks so bad he may be inactive. Man, He might put him in all- mothballs. He nearly killed Jimmy G, and I like Hasty. He runs hard, but he re- made some bad pass protection mistakes. Wayne Gallman's released. Uh, On Johnson, they signed. He still has a knee brace. The Niners' fantasy playoff schedule has been talked about preseason. Let's not forget they still are set to face the Falcons, uh, Titans, and Texans, those three games. Um, I mean, this guy looks like most. He passes the eye test. You look at his workout metrics... Uh, uh, Mitchell, and they were really—he's really, really fast, you know. And Shanahan, yes, the shenanigans, but he's also—he's the last undrafted rookie to run for week one. Mike Anderson under Shanahan run for more than 100 yards. So I don't know. Given the, the situation with the Niners, I have the by far the easiest schedule in football. Great offensive line, and now Mitchell's the current number one. I think he's worth the risk in leagues that allow zero dollar bids and first come, first serve. Now, tricky ones are NFFC where there are no zero dollar bids and you have to, you have to, you can't go 100% in your fab. That's totally different. But we're in an industry league. I bid 100%. People kind of laughed at me behind the scenes and and talked about how aggressive it was. My guess is I misread the room completely because this is a super flex league that Taylor Heineke went for $6. And I could make the argument that he should have been a max bid too in a super flex. So every league is different. I was in another league where I bid 100 on Mitchell and I finished tied for fifth because six people bid 100 and I was fifth in the tiebreaker. So it's all league dependent, but Elijah Mitchell definitely on the fantasy radar and the number one waiver wire guy to talk about him after week one.
1: Yeah, fab advice, I think, is the most, like, everything is league dependent when you really want to get down to it. Like, the fact that we try to give advice for every single format is really challenging if you just really want to be completely transparent about it, but... Like knowing your league is so crucial to everything, but I think it's especially the case with Fab. I think, like, people that want to, like, how, which percentage of my this, that, or the other is always so difficult to answer because it does depend on reading the room, on reading your league mates. And that this situation is crucial because, yeah, there are, there are spots where I went about 40 to 50 feeling pretty good and didn't, you know, didn't even come close. There are spots that I went 40 to 50 and was close or got him. So it really does. It really does depend. It does depend on your league and everything like that. And just, it is hilarious. Uh, you mentioned the 49ers have been talked to death. I, I, I know on this podcast specifically, I said, getting the 49ers right is going to be the key to winning fantasy football in 2021. And we talk, I feel like I talked about Elijah Mitchell zero times during that whole discussion of all offseason. What an idiot, what an idiot. I should have at least made a cursory reference to him, but I will say from from just a brass tax perspective with Mitchell the reason that I think you can be aggressive is that obviously the ceiling is great but I think the floor is is pretty good too here for Mitchell because it, look if if Trey Sermon was really the number 3 back or number 4 back coming out of camp like they're not just going to suddenly turn to sermon and make Mitchell a zero. Like I think Mitchell at some w- in some way is going to be a factor now. So he has that floor of being a factor in the best rushing, one of the best rushing ecosystems in the entire NFL. I mean, that's why we put up with all this Kyle Shanahan BS is because the reward, the potential reward that f- for living through the Shanahanigans or whatever is, is a league winning running back. I mean, that's why we do this thing. Right. But we know the ceiling is there. I think the floor is better than people think. Like, Raheem, I was in a drafting Trey Sermon and I was in on drafting Raheem Mostert. Like, take your shots on these guys. Same thing here. Like, basically, why should, even if Trey Sermon comes back and has the 1A role, which I, I think is possible, but maybe not as likely as I thought, you know, a couple weeks ago. There's still room for uh, Mitchell there to just basically be Raheem Mostert. In that scenario, so if we were taking Mostert in the, in the single digit rounds, which basically everybody was, you should be in on Elijah Mitchell too.
0: I saw someone else make the joke. I forgot. It's not it's sad, my guy Mostert, but uh, his first. You know, Mostert injured his kneecap in the first Dan Campbell game. You know, there's some some irony uh, there. Oh, uh, it's horrible. I know it's bad. I know, but I have to say, what a. I mean, your point, your preseason point of the Niners could not look more prescient. I mean, they 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 scored the most points in the NFL Week One, yet were the most frustrating fantasy team. Yeah, they had the quarterback. Pissed. They got their quarterback, got a TD uh, stolen from them at the goal line. Ayuk was a no-show. I had him. Ever. I follow the Niners, and the beat writers were clueless on all these things, by the way. I mean, Ayuk. Yeah. Uh, I stashed hasty at the end of my roster because of all these injuries, but not Mitchell. You know, I mean, he was not talked up by the beat writers throughout the preseason. It's a frustrating situation. I promise you it'll remain unpredictable, but in my Still, my, my opinion, the upside, if it does go right, is worth 100% of, of your fab. Because the upside's that of a, of a, you know, of a quote-unquote lead winner.
1: 100%. I think we're in lockstep here. All right, let's move on to the trends we love to see and the trends we hate to see. Let's start off positive. Let's start off with the things we love to see. And I want to start off with a couple of quarterbacks who were basically undrafted in almost every format. That's not a super flex. Uh, really, probably were not starting for teams in week one. Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater were top two, the one and two guys in EPA per drop back in week one. Dalton, number one, what year is this? Number two, uh, <laughs> what the hell? And number three, what are like, which of these two offenses are you more or which of these two quarterbacks, I guess, are you more confident in maintaining, not top two, you know, level of efficiency per dropback, but maintaining what we saw in week one?
0: It's definitely Winston, especially with the loss of, of Judy. Uh, those two QBs are also the top two in ESPN's adjusted QBR. So I, I wonder if they must weight uh, EPA heavily. You know, toward the Probably. end of the season, I saw this stat where uh, a PFF guy was claiming, making the claim that Winston's uh, interceptions and in his pick sixes were done in game situations where it was the right call to, to take extra risks. And, you know, he really, he was not throwing them in the wrong situations. I don't know how how true that was in the past, but he certainly looked good in his first game. I will say this. I think the current version of Jam- Jameis Winston is better than the last year or two of Drew Brees. And it's maybe opening up the playbook. It's just crazy that Marquez Callaway was drafted so aggressively and spent so highly in free agency. And then he doesn't catch any of the five touchdown passes. That was the fewest yards in modern era, by the way, for a quarterback to throw five TDs. But Jimmy Winston, who will eventually return home indoors as opposed to, you know, Denver and now no Jerry Judy. But Bridgewater is clearly way better than Drew Locke. He's very, very accurate. He he may not be the best for fantasy with his lack of downfield action. But, yeah, these guys are are serviceable with New Orleans, a fantastic offensive line and infrastructure. Denver, a really good looking defense. Both those teams are going to be better than most projected.
1: Yeah, and uh, on your note about Jameis Winston too, like, or on your, on the note about Marquez Callaway, the Saints threw to wide receivers at the lowest rate of any team in Week One, and that's all. That was I got excited about what we saw from Marquez Callaway in preseason, but you know, I went back and looked at him from his rookie year from like a route running perspective, and and. All right, like he's fine, nothing special there. And then I want, you know, the problem there too is like the once Michael Thomas gets back, like he's gonna command the targets there. I, I don't know, Callaway is looking a little risky right now, but we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens there. And I would just say make the case though for Teddy Bridgewater, you know, because I do still think that. Jameis Winston, despite the fact – yeah, he's obviously more turnover-prone like in, in the last time we saw him start a full season in 2019 than than any other season. But still, I believe it is in Jameis' DNA to be risky, to take chances, and that can be good uh, for the good side of variance for the Saints will be there. But at some point, though, we're going to get a multi-turnover game, a very frustrating approach from Jameis Winston. I, I'm still – I'm not, like, out on Jameis, but I'm still, like, not totally in. I'm still, like, a little skeptical. When it comes to Teddy Bridgewater, though, the only reason I would make the case for Teddy actually being the more impressive guy coming out of week one, he was actually under pressure a lot. Pro Football Focus had him uh, under, uh, under pressure on over 50% of his dropbacks. Um, number one in the most pressured starting quarterback in the league was Teddy Bridgewater, and still delivered a dynamic performance against a pretty good defense. And Denver, even if they lose Judy, which is such a killer, I, I love Jerry Judy, expected him to have a huge year this year. It was looking like he was on his way to a huge year. They're still really good at the skill position group you know i i think kj hamler can play uh tim patrick is so underrated Cortland sutton should be back to 100 at some point no fan albert O, really good tight end duo in the backfield is like a 50 50 split but both those players are good so i don't know i think de- i think denver just has such a great talent ecosystem but my god i mean if if we didn't appreciate sean payton enough
0: we do now after like the ecosystem and 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 the build that he put out there in week one no doubt impressive by the saints but yeah pick up kj hamler tim patrick in deeper fantasy leagues and hopefully sutton yeah that week one was just shaking the rust off um you really like you got to like the, what noah fant looks like got some some routes and now looking at more looks without uh judy i really like the arrow pointing up for Fant. such a bummer jerry judy he was gonna eat this year bummer. man he was yeah. looking uncoverable out there uh, and you just get rolled up on like that <clears throat> nothing you can do yeah it's frustrating sucks at least
1: it wasn't like a DA- it looked like a dac level injury and it wasn't that so thank god um that's good to see and yeah i mean tim patrick i think is like an immediate top 40 receiver this year or the top 40 receiver this week against jacksonville at the very least like i think he is definitely startable ran the second most routes on the team after Cortland sutton by the way more 49ers running back news they claim uh trenton cannon off waivers from the baltimore ravens so uh he'll get 25 carries
0: this week i guess and and uh get 100 yards so have fun you with know. that everybody <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Can i I'll, I'll circle this all the way back to denver here uh, finally i promise the last thing i'll talk about my yeah. guy elijah elijah mitchell faced and this is stat nerd uh, episode anyway faced eight plus, he faced eight plus defenders in the box on 36.8 percent of his carries and finished 37 rush yards over expected which put him in second place this week behind melvin gordon so yeah. I didn't realize he had that speed to the outside. Anyway, bottom line, Mitchell, know, yeah, some impressive nerdy stats and boy, Melvin Gordon is going to be uh, a bit 50% of that split in the backfield. Unfortunately for the Javante Williams guys.
1: Yeah. And, and Melvin's, Melvin Gordon is boosted off like a huge run there at the end from in terms of like yards over expectation, everything. But like Mitchell really got that stuff done. I mean, he really got it done. And and he is fast too four, three, eight speed like he's legit. He is basically Raheem Mostert. Like if you want to do a player comparison. So there's all, all the reason in the world to be in on Elijah Mitchell, the guy that we mentioned zero times in the offseason. Uh, what a tough scene for us. Next one I have here, trends we love to see. This really caught my eye. I mentioned that Teddy Bridgewater was the most pressured quarterback in week one. The least pressured quarterback in week one was Justin Herbert, 12.6% of his dropbacks. Dalton, this was probably the biggest hangup for the Chargers last year. And, you know, sometimes in the offseason, it's like we see things happen in terms of, oh, this team throws resources at a problem. But how quick is it going to take for it to really, you know, gel like the Chargers draft Rashawn Slater in the first round. How long is it going to take him to figure it out? They bring in Corey Lindsley uh in the offseason to play center, some more offensive linemen there as well. Looks like an immediate hit, like an immediate win for the Chargers there because they were pl- playing Washington, who has a great cast of characters up front with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and uh Jonathan Allen. So what are I feel like we're all, almost just because like he didn't crush it in fantasy in week one? We're not talking enough about how dynamic Herbert was in that game because I, th- I went back and watched. I think he's looked awesome, was great on third down, just delivering some passes right on the money where it needs to be. I feel like we're not high. We're still not high enough on Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert and maybe even Jared Cook,
0: too. I mean, hell. So I I think their Chargers offensive line and Herbert deserve even more credit than what you're saying for a couple reasons. Yes, Washington's defense, awesome. It was a 10 a.m. body clock game for them traveling across the country. And I was just listening to Warren Sharp say of the bottom 10 in EPA per play on early downs. So when you're throwing it early versus running the bottom 10 teams, they all lost week one except the Chargers. So mm. what they're asking these uh, these offensive linemen to do, and Herbert, Herbert on third downs, 13 of 16 for 160 yards, 11 first downs, and a touchdown. I mean, I want to say this isn't sustainable, but last year Herbert was awesome under pressure. That's another quote-unquote not sticky stat. So what he's doing is incredible. I still question Lombardi. Is it a big upgrade at coaching? I don't know. I mean— Uh, It didn't look great the first test, actually. So uh, Herbert, the player, is just awesome. And I love love the way Mike Williams was used. Now that one, like Lombardi said, he was going to be used in the Michael Thomas role. Maybe that was some truth to that. So you like to see that. And Herbert's just awesome. Yeah. The offensive lines improved. Now let's see some, some more passing on first down. And then you got Yahtzee for the fantasy stats.
1: Yeah, it was nice to see Austin Eck. I know people are like, "Oh, he didn't get any targets." Like, I give me a break; he'll get targets. That's I'm not worried about that. But he did get goal line touches, which was great to see. Uh, I mean, it's just, basically anything you wanted to see out of Chargers' offense to be super excited, you got to see it in week one. And yeah, I'm pretty sure Justin Herbert he was not pressured very often. But the passes that he was pressured, I think he completed every single one of them, or at least was like five, like five of six or something like that. So um, I'm I'm just doing it off the top of my head, but he was still di- he was still completely accurate under pressure. So he's just he's he's gonna be the next superstar quarterback in the league and it, it just is what it is so uh there, there you go let's move on to the next one here most of these i have are quarterback stats because it allows us to kind of you know push out to the rest of the league and like or the, the guys that are affected by these players on the team obviously next one two quarterbacks with a deep passing rate over 20 percent. russell wilson no surprise there uh i loved. i don't know about you but i loved what the uh Seahawks offense did in week one with all of the play action the deep shots obviously to Lockett and to Metcalf we're gonna we're just gonna expect this to be one of the most efficient passing games in the NFL second guy though Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield over 20% of his passes were deep down the field 20 plus yards that was pretty interesting to me especially because they didn't have Odell Beckham in week one and they're not gonna have Odell Beckham in week two
0: Yeah, the Seattle play action increase. I think it was twice as much as their usage last year. Terrifies me as a Niners fan. The whole NFC West looks so good with Arizona. Um, Metcalf and Lockett. uh, So, so good there. And that's such a pretty deep ball. Russell Wilson, put that on repeat, man. Throwing that such a high, high, such a pretty deep ball. The Browns, I have Beckham, man. I was out on Beckham last year. Um, This year, I'm like, I'm going to buy him, you know, coming off of his ADPs lower than ever. You know, and there's this all encouraging reports throughout summer and, man, you had to wait for that afternoon game. At least you would have to wait for any uncertainty week two because he's already been ruled out. So, I mean, you don't love it. Um, man, I don't know. I hope he just gets right and, he's you know, he starts. But I guess the lack of contact at this point, it's concerning when he's even going to be usable in fantasy lineups, Beckham.
1: I know. It's fr- it is frustrating because I did the same thing. I bought it back in on Odell Beckham. Like, you know, I think he looked great in 2020, but the risk was always that there's another injury question. And it seems – this it seems like Beckham is the one who's kind of like I'm not fully ready yet sort of thing so I don't know man I don't know when we'll see Beckham but at the same time though the Browns offense was great in week one Mayfield like I said delivering the ball down the field looking really good and distributing it to a variety of different targets Anthony Schwartz is a guy that should be on people's radar fast had, was top ten in air yards in week one. Jarvis Landry looked great. I think he looked fully recovered from that hip issue in week one. He looks like he could really be undervalued and outkick his ADP. Uh, Beckham obviously is going to come back at some point and shake up this target tree. But like right now, you know, there's a lot of like hype about uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones in training camp. It looks like Schwartz is a big winner here that that could be picked up off the waiver wire.
0: Yeah, no, I thought it was People's Jones, but you're totally right. It's, it, it is Schwartz. And then Njoku is still alive, too. They target him downfield, yeah. and he's, you know, in really a deeper league, someone to at least keep your eye on. And another thing to pay attention to is Jedrick Wills, their left tackle, was carted off. It's a day-to-day injury, but their offense definitely struggled. I know mid-game injuries are different, but it, their offense definitely noticeably struggled once he left last week. So that's, that's something that could affect, you know, those downfield throws, a, a left tackle, a dominant left tackle. This week, I like them. They're going to roll, man. Texans coming off the win. I know Tyrod looked good. But, you know, Texans coming off the win and the Browns coming off that tough loss. I, I, I feel confident. And I know they're the, the most uh, used survivor pick right now. But in 12, One of three teams with about a 12 and a half point spread. But I, I feel most confident about them. What, what, what do you think bouncing back? I mean, the Browns are a good football team and they should just bully the Texans with their running
1: revenge revenge game for tyrod revenge game for tyrod taylor although hugh jackson's not there anymore so who's to really to get revenge against um I, I don't know i like your pick there uh i i used rams in the survivor league last year or last week thought it really wanted to use denver i'm so pissed that i am so pissed that i talked myself out of that i'm still mad about it because i knew they were gonna beat the damn giants but anyways no one cares about that i like that pick and and overall too like when you look at When you look at the Texans' roster, like even if there isn't, even if Wills doesn't play, Jedrick Wills, he doesn't play at, at left tackle who on the Texans is scaring you from a pass rushing perspective that defense is still so so soft Um, if Trevor like Trevor Lawrence made some good plays he made some rookie mistakes Uh, I I think Steven Ruiz from the ringer compared him to like he's probably going to be like rookie year Peyton Manning where you see all the signs of greatness but he's going to consistently have to shoot them out of bad situations um, and will throw a lot of interceptions as a result I think that's what Trevor Lawrence's rookie year is going to be but you still saw all the cracks in the Texans defense that you would have expected and yeah I think they can absolutely get barreled over in this one um i like that call there uh let's move on to this next one here not a quarterback one but we're gonna probably end up talking about some quarterbacks here (laughs) uh the colts and the lions were top two in running back target rate colts 42.9 percent of their week one targets 42.9 percent went to jonathan taylor and naheem hines I thought that was interesting. Second was the Lions. That's not surprising at thirty six point four percent. I want to talk about the Lions in a second because I'm I'm in a little bit of a I, I'm 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 confused about how I think about the Lions, but on the Colts specifically, Carson Wentz got nothing going downfield. Barely threw the ball past twenty yards. Um, what did you make of this Colts performance in Week One? I, I know the offensive line is not looking as great as it is as it's built up to be. Mostly, I think because these guys have been injured all offseason.
0: Truthfully, I watched Game Mix. It has eight games on at once, and this was the one that they decided not, weirdly. There was, the Jacksonville-Houston one made the big eight, but not this. So this is a game I watched the, <laughs> the least of, but I know Taylor had a TD called back, and this offensive line's banged up right now. It will get healthier once Eric Fisher returns and, and Nelson and Braden Smith get healthier. Uh, I think a big, big season's in store for Jonathan Taylor. You love to see the targets there. I know they just paid Heinz, but I mean the fact that Taylor was out there and, and getting thrown like that, uh, with, with Wentz being a question mark, he is clearly going to dump the... Ball off to to them. So I, you're you're just encouraged if you're a Jonathan Taylor guy. At least I was. Uh, yeah. What, what were your thoughts?
1: That's kind of how I thought about it too. Because I, obviously there's the whole like, well, he just beat up on bad teams last year. Blah 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 blah. But uh, but that's a question mark. But the biggest one was, is he going to still catch passes? And you know, where's the fact that he caught passes last year a product of Phillip rivers, or was it part of the infrastructure of the offense? And it seems like it's much more part of the infrastructure of the offense, at least after week one, I still think Wentz is, you know, Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. Like when he gets pressured, when there's like the, the play isn't totally in the flow of it. He's still, still scatterbrained. I think there's still a chance that he could be, 2019 Carson Wentz but we will see he still looked more like 2020 Carson Wentz in week one to me but I I don't know I'm I was I'm with you though that I was encouraged more by the target load for Jonathan Taylor than discouraged by any
0: of like the offensive inefficiency parts of it. He's so so good. I'm telling you, he, gigantic games are to come. He should be. He would be a top five uh, player for me down moving forward. And, and Detroit, I'm so upset I don't have more DeAndre Swift. I know he remains an injury durability concern. And every yeah. week, the the Lions are not going to run 92 plays or whatever. But man, he's get all the high value touches. Jamal Williams that, is yeah. solid too, but uh, Swift is just so so good, man. What, what I mean, yeah. What are your thoughts on him?
1: That was what I was. I was going to ask you about the Lions because. You know, in in some way, I think that we're, I think there's like been a bit of an overreaction to what we saw in week one from their fantasy production. I mean, the total on their game with the Packers is 48. I mean, look, the Packers could, uh, theoretically, (laughs) <laughs> the theoretical packers that we think we know and love could blow out the lions like 40 to 40 to 7 or something like that you know almost get to that themselves could the uh, green bay packers with that defense on the other side but i don't know the 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 packers are a question mark after week 1 after what we saw there i'm not like worried about them long term but we'll see i mean they should be able to barrel over this defense but like you mentioned we i think we need to we need to kind of take a stand on who are the Lions from a philosophical perspective? Because in they obviously, as you mentioned, they run the most plays of any team in week one by a pretty good gap. Like they were way up there. That is not sustainable from an overall team volume perspective. And I thought this was interesting. In the first half, they were 17th in terms of seconds per play, like their their pace of play they were first in the second half. Like there are going to be a lot of games where the lions are, are throwing themselves out of a deficit and Jared Goff, like for all of his problems, isn't CJ Beathard or something, you know, he's not Nick Mullins. He's not going to just, he's, he's fine. He's like a bottom level or average starting quarterback. And they have a pretty good offensive line too. So like, could Goff have a lot of, Hollow yardage games where he's pumping the ball to T.J. Hawkinson, Jamal Williams, and DeAndre Swift, like we saw in Week One, absolutely. But is it going to be as prolific as it was in Week One? Every single week, that's the part I'm I'm kind of stuck up on. And is are are the target totals for those three players so concentrated? It just seems tough for me that like at some point, some wide receiver is not going to you know, get an inefficient 90 target season or something like that. I I don't know. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little stuck on this one.
0: It's just that the, all the targets are going to go to Hawkinson and, and the backs. I mean, Hawkinson did that against the Niners D that held tight ends to the fewest fantasy points for what it's worth last year. But I'm just still in on Hawkins because he just looks so—sorry, uh, Swift. He looks yeah. so, so good. But—and I'll counter with this, too. Their offensive line—that's sneaky to be really, really good, actually, with Penny Sewell struggling in the, uh, in the preseason. Yep. But Nick Bosa looked at the tape, and he said afterwards, Sewell was forced to move to left tackle because Taylor Decker's out, and he played way better. So it's clear that he was just learning a new position in preseason. So Decker is a young, good left tackle. You get Swell in there and and, and Ragnar at, at center. And it's got a pretty good potential there. But um, I hear you. Not every game's going to have 90-plus plays. I mean, that really, really helped the Lions uh, put up fantasy stats this week. No question. I mean, there was a an onside kick and a Debo fumble. I mean, there were two drives at the end that totally, you know, was like an extra yeah, good point. 25 plays. Yeah,
1: that's a good point, too. Yeah, so there's a lot there that I just... I think Swift is going to maintain a pretty crucial receiving role for this team. I lock I mean Hawkinson's a lock. He ran a route on 98% of their passing plays. Like that that's as good as you want from a tight end. Like he's not out there doing blocking and stuff like that. You know, he's a full fi- he's a full field monster.
0: How do you not have him top? I mean, I, I said I had Pitts aggressively, but I, mean, I think Hawkinson's right there after the Waller and Kittle. God, those guys are so valuable in fantasy, by the way. I think Waller had more targets than the Saints receivers uh, combined, actually, um, or is right there. <laughs> so what do you think? I mean, is Hawkinson, is he not the number three? Am I, I mean, why not? I mean, he's going to be looking at this amount of targets every game. He looks great, right? I mean, I know Pitts quietly had the air yards and he ran the inlines lines and stuff, but um, and there's and Mark Andrews has bigger games to come and my guy, but my guy Kittle, how could you rank Kittle ahead of Hawkinson given their usage? It's a great question. I mean, we the, the funny thing about the IU
1: situation is that it actually perfectly encapsulated the problem with all three of these guys is that it's going to be almost it, like this is what it's going to look like probably every single week. One of them is going to have a monster game. One of them is going to have an eye game like Kittle had, you know, like 70 yards or something. And one of them is going to be kind of left out in the cold. It won't be. I don't think it will always be as extreme as freaking Debo Samuel is like, you know, leads the NFL and wide receiver yards. And then 47 percent target
0: share. You mean, you know, it's not going to yeah. get a 47 percent target share each week. Yeah, probably. probably.
1: I'm guessing not. <laughs> I'm guessing not. So there's there's that. And then I don't think Ayuk is going to like whoever the third is is going to be a stone zero every single week, but it was a dramatic. We keep coming back to the 49ers, bro. We keep coming back to 49ers like <laughs> it's not going to be that dramatic every single week, but it is a perfect encapsulation of what it like the the issue with this passing game overall. So to your point, yeah, I think that there's there's a perfectly reasonable chance that like Hawkinson at least enters that group with Kittle. Waller uh, and, you know, behind Travis Kelsey Waller. Oh, my God. What an abs- absurd, absurd, usage that game. That was one of the we're going to talk about the Ravens in a minute. That was a strange game. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on it overall. But we'll come back to that. Let's move to things that we we hate to see. And maybe we'll still talk about the 49ers, but it's hard. It is hard to say <laughs> uh, trends. We hate to see Ryan Tannehill's play action rate on Sunday was 11.6 percent. In 2020, it was 36.4 percent, the highest among starting quarterbacks last year. I know the immediate temptation is, well, they fell behind. You know, the Arizona Cardinals were were giving it to them. It shouldn't matter that much, okay? That's a that's a bad sign. I feel I have I feel really weird about the Titans after Week One. I mean, it just was it was about as bad of a debut as you can get. And like to see them go so hard away from the the one thing like play action that made them so efficient, that is a little disturbing, uh, especially since they changed offensive coordinators to Todd Downing, who has been a coordinator
0: before and does not have like a great history. Yeah, I'm very concerned. I was concerned in the year the move from Arthur Smith to Todd Downing, not that Arthur Smith balled in his debuts, but being a head coach has other responsibilities and I'm not totally going to totally write him off. But um, this is a concern in Tennessee for sure. The play action was just so reliant on on, on their success and playing with the lead, obviously, for Derrick Henry. So Corey Davis last year was top five in yards per route run and top 25 in target share. I mean, the odds were extremely slim that Julio Jones was going to match Tennessee's wide receiver two production from last year, let alone exceed it, like many people were projecting because he's Julio Jones, you know, inner circle Hall of Famer. They also lost Jonu Smith. I mean, and their defense is is stinks. I mean, maybe bottom five their defense units, so, is so bad. I, I mean, yeah, there's zero pass rush. So I don't know why. I mean, the reason teams, everyone's picking them to win the division is just because of a, of a battle of attrition. It was a bad division. This is not a good football team. And I worry, but I obviously better fantasy days ahead for Tannehill and the receivers and and, and Derrick Henry but um yeah man you can you're very concerned about the play caller because the play caller switch is not going to go back suddenly
1: yeah i mean if they don't if they don't come out and have like um you know a huge play action rate that would be very disturbing in in week 2 thing is too like i mean there, there is some like flukiness to their week 1 performance mostly because of how much Taylor Lewan got his ass kicked by Chandler Jones and I mean Chandler Jones like I think I said this on uh on Chris Harris's podcast this morning like Chandler Jones didn't just like you know how like Hassan Reddick had like a five sack game for the Cardinals last year, but that was one of those, like he just speed rushed around to like a bad tackle. Chandler Jones was out there like doing it every which way. Like, you know, it was like teaching tape, basically what he uh, was putting on out there. I mean, it was about as good as you could get to the point that he's like, you can see him on the broadcast copy, like strutting up and down the sideline. Cause he wants, he wants to get paid after they paid JJ Watt all that money. So good timing for a five sack performance, but you would assume Taylor one at some point is going to get a little more comfortable coming back from an ACL injury. Although Seattle's pass rush looked really good in week one, Seattle, Tennessee, they meet in week two. So I, I'm not panicking on the Titans yet, but like my alarm bells are a little like there's at least, they're at least spinning. We're not like full siren yet, but they're at least spinning after that week one performance. I don't really know what to think. Hopefully we see these guys just crush it in week two uh, and we can move on from that, but we will, we shall see couple other notes I wanted to, to throw in here. We can skip this pressured quarterback one. We talked about Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Zach Wilson was the other one. Zach Wilson's <laughs> going to get rocked all year long. I don't know if you have too many Jets
0: thoughts, Um Beckton being out against the the New England front seven is not ideal.
1: Not ideal. I still want to buy low on Elijah Moore, who had a ton of air yards in week in in week
0: one, and Corey Davis. I think is an every week fantasy starter at this point. Um, Agreed on both. Yeah, and Elijah Moore is still like ten dollars in Yahoo DFS, I believe. That's the minimum. So I'm with you. Yeah. Nice.
1: Okay, that's a good that's a good note to file away. Lastly, for for things we hate to see, I want to hit on this Ravens stuff real quick because uh, I did not like. I don't know, man. The Ravens did not look very good, like against the Raiders. They should have. I know that Lamar had some fumbles that were mostly a product of Tyson Williams giving up some, some heat on him, and I think that's probably why, from a pass protection angle, that that Williams was not out there um, when people really wanted him. To, I think he missed his damn rushing yardage prop by one yard because of all those pass protection woes. So tough scene there if you were invested in that way. But overall. The Ravens should have put that game away, man. And like, if they were a good team, I think they – or excuse me, if they were an elite team, like a top of the AFC team, I think they would have put that game away. The biggest problem to me was just how much they struggled to protect Lamar last week. Uh, Andre, uh, uh, Ali Villanueva, Alejandro Villanueva uh, came away from – like he was a big problem. He was a huge problem, got destroyed by Max Crosby. Lamar was sacked on 9.1% of his dropbacks. Where are you at with the Ravens in this one because that was – not a good performance.
0: Yeah, I know. That was with the former top five uh, pick Farrell. Uh, healthy scratch, too, for the Raiders' defensive line. Um, yeah, the Ravens are dealing with a lot of injuries and, and weirdness. But, yeah, it was definitely an uninspiring performance. Tyson Williams looks great. And then I guess he blows the pass protection. And then he's mothballed later. I know you would talk about Sammy Watkins. Uh, so you know that he's surpassed 65 receiving yards in three games over the last yep. two-plus seasons. <laughs> this. They've all occurred in week one. All of them have occurred in week one. That's the only time he's surpassed 65 yards last three seasons in week one. The healthiest he'll so ever
1: be, Dalton. I, it's the healthiest he'll ever be is week
0: one. I'd still rather Marquise Brown move forward, but uh, who knows, a new situation. Um, uh, so, yeah, no, I hope Lamar... Uh, is, stays healthy and yeah it was yeah you're right it, it was it was a discombobulated kind of a messed up performance Baltimore but it's the first game with Las Vegas with fans they were tuned up all day I mean it was a, it was a cool scene it was a great I mean, what a fun game I mean back and forth how wild was that that you think it's over and of course the false start the Raiders do a false start in that situation and uh yeah the wild pick so uh some fun primetime games man the Bucks on Thursday night and then that Monday night or I didn't tune in to the uh, ESPN I didn't realize it was also on ESPN2 I missed the Manning telecast I caught all the highlights and stuff but did you listen to that that
1: broadcast no and i don't i don't want to like burst anybody's bubble about the manning thing but i i don't care one bit you're out like you're
0: out okay all right
1: it's not it's not like like if i would i just want to listen i just want to watch the game you know like i i know i understand the appeal to it for some people and it sounded like some people liked it like if you like it you like it like your thing that's fine with me but like i'm watching a football game to like watch the football game i barely want like the commentator's thoughts I don't, I, I don't that's like really true. need <laughs> yeah. need the Peyton Manning experience, like Peyton goofing around during it or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just not
0: yeah. for me. Fair, firm, but fair. I, I, I like Peyton, <laughs> but I hear you. And, I, and yes, I, half the time I mute the the, the what I'm the commentators. So that that that's fair. So what we, which, yeah, so Baltimore they'll get it together one one game off, or or is this a concern? Dude, even the, the even though, like team? even
1: the um you know when everybody geeks out about like the all 22, like college football playoff thing. When, when people geek out about that, I don't know if you ever watched that, like the, 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 the game at all. I'm not being like the tape guy here, but like, you know, I watch more goddamn film than anybody. <laughs> I watch a lot of tape, but when I want to watch a live football game, I just want to watch it. Like I've always watched it. I feel like yeah, I sound I like a 50 year old man at this point, but like, I just want to watch the game the way I've always watched the game and the way I want to consume it is the way I always have. That's my take. Romo is good.
0: I like Romo. I like when Romo calls. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not
1: saying like like that's. But that's what I mean. Like I want to. I like Romo too. Yeah. Uh, I could understand why Romo would be annoying if like you're getting your butt beat by Patrick Mahomes and like he's just fawning over Mahomes for a full sixty minutes. That's um. I know. Uh, Mark Sessler from NFL has mentioned this to me. And has mentioned it publicly several times before how irritating that can be uh, as a Browns fan, having just faced them recently twice. Uh, But anyways, like I don't I love I love a good commentator, but I'm just saying like the all 22 angle or like the coaches talk like that coaches room that they do for the college football thing. Like, I don't need all that crap. Like, I just want to watch two goofballs or three. That's fine. I'll take Greasy and Riddick and, uh, and and Levy. Three goofballs, two goofballs, talking about the game and, wa- and showing me the game from the angle that I've always consumed it at. And then when I want to watch the damn tape, I'll do it on my own time. Nobody has cared about the last three minutes of this podcast. <laughs> Not one person. <laughs>
0: I will tell you that Sunday night, I don't know, but Collinsworth, I'll be watching Kansas City at Baltimore, man. What a game. Another primetime one looking good. Let's see if Baltimore bounces back. I'd take the three and a half points there. The home dog. People are probably down on Baltimore. I mm. think they'll they'll rough it up and be physical there. What do you think, man? Mahomes is just such money in, in fantasy because he only throws it to Kelsey and, uh, and Tyreek Hill. So great. I great. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, yeah, it really is. That should be a fun one Sunday night.
1: I know. Like, Great snap share for CEH, like never left the field, uh, which was a, a change from what we saw last year. McCole Hardman running the full complement of routes, but ball's still going to – I mean, why not? Ball's still going to the two best players at, at the, their respective positions or at least, you know, in the argument for Tyree Kill. Like, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, that's where the ball goes. It's great. Mahomes 3-0 and against the Chiefs, the last, or against the Ravens the last three times. He's averaged over 370 passing yards and scored 10 total touchdowns. And – I think I'd take the chiefs minus three and a half in that game. I think I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident right now with them coming in uh, to this spot. And Sammy Watkins, always interesting. You mentioned Sammy Watkins earlier, led the team in routes run, led the team at the 36.2% uh, of the air yards, led the team in targets. I know it was the week one thing, but we've got a revenge <laughs> game for Kansas city here. Uh, yes, I don't man. know. I, th- I think both of those, I do like I, the one thing that was encouraging, I think in week one for the Ravens was, Sammy Watkins and Hollywood Brown like those two guys you can't you cannot overstate the difference from uh, going from the husk of Des Bryant and Miles Boykin to Sammy Watkins on the other end of Lamar Jackson throws even if Sammy Watkins is an average starting receiver at best that's a big jump.
0: Yeah, and you know Mahomes uh, should be noted too. In September, what is he twelve and zero or something with fifty touchdowns, zero picks or whatever? The stats are video game like in September throughout his career. So yeah, and you always feel silly bet- betting against him. But that should be that should be a good one. We got to talk about another prime timer, too, right? The Thursday night game. Let's not short shift that one.
1: Yeah, let's not short shift this barn burner. Uh, <laughs> let's talk some single game DFS fantasy preview here for the New York Giants, oh and one at Washington Football. Oh, and one, this game only has a 40.5 projected point. Total Washington is favored. I think they should be favored. I think they're probably the better team, even with Taylor Heineke. What is your read on this game? Cause I do the, I do my article, the preview for the single game uh, slates for every DF, like the Thursday, Monday, Sunday night football. This one's kind of tough because these teams are rather top heavy from a fantasy angle. And they both have big questions now. With Taylor Heineke behind center, with Daniel Jones being Daniel Jones, um, there's a, a bit of questions here. So, what do you read on this one?
0: Yeah, tougher to fill out a lineup than last week when it was just uh, with so many riches. Uh, now it's so yeah, easy. You're right. Yeah. And now Sterling Shepard at 13 is is pretty much a no brainer. Your guy here, by the way. How good? Oh did he hell look? yeah! I mean, man, he looked. So, so good. Uh, and Barkley, you probably got to go Gibson over Barkley at this point. I mean, give another yeah. wait-and-see game with Barkley, especially DFS. Uh, he, I know that fantasy managers in season long have some tough choices this week, especially the Thursday game and, you know, how many snaps is he going to get. But Barkley hopefully was limited week one, always knowing that they're, you know, they're playing on Thursday night in week two. But, um, yeah, I'm probably, and, then, and then Jones, uh, you know, the tougher matchup in Washington, but three bucks cheaper than Heineke. And, and often with fantasy, you just want the quarterback who's playing from behind, you know, the underdog. He's going to have to throw more. He got that nice garbage time rushing stat last week too so i don't know what are your thoughts this is definitely a tougher week to fill, fill this single game lineup
1: it's much tougher um because i actually i made a couple builds like without either of the quarterbacks which doesn't really make a lot of sense right like that doesn't make much sense but antonio gibson i think is the one i keep coming back to the role that we saw from gibson out of week one was about exactly what you would have wanted led the backfield in snaps got 20 carries actually ran more routes then JD McKissick and got five targets. Like boom, lock it in. That's that's about the best case scenario that you could hope for for uh, Antonio Gibson. Obviously, Melvin Gordon had no problem with this defense in week one. I, I'm not worried about Gibson at all. He he'd be the guy that I come back to. Sterling Shepard, as you mentioned, it can't be a, it cannot be understated. Led the team in routes, runs, snaps, slot routes, targets, yards after catch per reception, baby. Love to see that from Sterling Shepard. He's a lock at 13. Um, no interest in Galladay at 20. Really no interest in Barkley. And, I mean, Sterling Shepard, I mean, well, excuse me, Daniel Jones, like, God, I mean, he's he's as erratic as ever, right? And the thing is, too, he was only pressured on 75%. He was kept clean, excuse me, on 75% of his dropbacks. It just falls apart at the first sign of heat for Daniel Jones. Uh, the fumbles are always there. What's your What are your thoughts on Heineke, though, as a guy to, like, potentially keep this Washington offense afloat because great usage for Terry McLaurin, awesome usage for Logan Thomas, even Deami Brown, who's only 10 bucks in our single game DFS ran around on over 92% of Washington's passing plays. I still think Heineke's like kind of, he's okay. You know, he's not like the worst case scenario.
0: Yeah, I mean there were reports he was out playing Fitzpatrick uh in June, and he was uh he gave to arguably Tampa Bay their best fight in the playoffs la- last year. Um so he could be serviceable. That's why I said in Superflex, I mean in competitive deeper superflex leagues, he should I mean there's an argument for a hundred percent fab bit. By the way, getting these guys in week two theoretically is 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 better than in the middle of the season. You have them for the whole year. So I think Heineke, uh yeah, I, I there's he could just be like a, a, a lateral move from, from from Fitzpatrick, you know. I Fitzpatrick was always a long shot to last the whole year at this stage of his career given his, his durability pass too. But I hate to see it week one happen to him. Yeah, I, um, I was rooting for him for sure. I know he's your guy. You guys are close buds. But um, I think Heineke could step right in and be totally totally serviceable.
1: Yeah, I hate it for Fitz, man. It sucks. Just like this was the, his big chance with no like first round pick.
0: And McLaurin, he's, this is the year he's finally gonna have a real quarterback and a, <laughs> a, a, another receiver on the outside, Samuel to take away attention. And now here we are week two and he has Neither. Neither. <laughs>
1: Oh God, he really I, I said it way too often that he like avoided the Allen Robinson curse of for his career. I said it too often this offseason because now he's like trending back towards like, you know, these goofball list of quarterbacks. But Taylor Heineke, like, by the way, Taylor Heineke, the pride of Old Dominion. We can never uh, not call uh, Taylor Heineke the pride of Old Dominion University. I always stand up for my Virginia guys. Heineke is aggressive, though, like in the same kind of devil may care fashion that Ryan Fitzpatrick brings to his game, like. Sometimes tries to write some checks that his arm can't cash. Um, He actually threw into tight windows per next-gen stats on 26% of his passes in week one. That was the third highest among quarterbacks. And it's a continuation of how he played in the playoffs last year, 20.5%. Like, he's an aggressive guy. Will shoot the ball downfield. And I do think this is a really good, even without Samuel there, um, I still think this is a really good infrastructure for a quarterback in Washington. Got a good feature back. Got a number one receiver. Logan Thomas looks like 0% a fluke. You know, like he is the, the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, Logan Thomas, excuse me. He looks like a a, a total like locked in. I think he's going to be ju- like not quite TJ Hawkinson, not quite Kyle Pitts, but right there with maybe Tyler Higby at the top of that like next group. I still am very excited about Washington's offense, even with Taylor Heineke instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: And one final note I'll add about Antonio Gibson. This is like buried in this report right at the end of the preseason that he's supposedly had that turf toe injury drained and it's all good. He says it fixed it. I mean, if I had heard that two weeks earlier, I'd been drafting him at the wheel in the end of the first rounds more. Um, yeah, that's encouraging if true. And he's healthy and set up for a monster year if he continues to see increased usage as a receiver like he did in week one.
1: So just before we get out of here, on a season long note with Saquon Barkley, what is like your breaking point with Saquon? Where are you just kind of in the you got to play him and, and see what happens? Or is there like a threshold of running backs where, OK, if I have like Melvin Gordon or something, I'd play him over Saquon Barkley.
0: I mean, I have Damian Harris in a couple of leagues. You tell me, Harmon, who would you start? Harris? I mean, Harris <sighs> is the doghouse. He might get benched completely or he could, you know, run all over the jets. I mean, I yeah. don't know you, Well, you, who would you? that? that I'm, I'm, I'm d- debating decisions just like that myself. So I don't feel strongly, man. I don't know. I mean, Barkley's clearly not, you know, he's clearly getting eased back into action.
1: Yeah. I have Harris running back 18. I think I have Barkley running back 16 or 17 right now, you know, obviously oh, right that's subject there. to change, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So right there. And I think you can weigh, I mean, what's the difference between running back 18 and running back 16? Like that's perfectly within the same range. So I mean, yeah, Damian Harris uh, looked so good. And, and I mean, I'm sure Bill Belichick is, like, incensed by the, how it happened. You know, like, they're driving to win that game. Mac Jones has looked good all game. They were clearly the better offense overall, the Patriots over the Dolphins. Frickin' Harris coughs it up in that moment. Tough scene. But, God, he looked so good all day. And I do think the one thing I come back to with Damian Harris – is the fact that Ramadre Stevenson like the guy that's kind of lurking behind him also fumbled blew a huge pass protection that got Mac Jones hit low um i think it was a penalty actually that hit too so i uh, i do think that that like makes me encourage that, like they might just okay fine Harris like go you know they don't have like someone to clearly turn it back to type of
0: thing yeah jj taylor got some buzz he's 5 foot 5 though i don't think he's going to carry five. the load it's totally different. so you yeah, time. so so yeah, Damian Harris. I hope Mike Reese came out and said already. You know, you might be looking at a reduced role, and he's pretty tuned into oh, that uh, franchise. God. So I don't know, but yeah, you're right, Stevenson. <laughs> well, funny thing about that is like every league I have Harris, I made sure of of, of backing him up with Stevenson. So just what a hilarious. I mean, lose to both of them in the doghouse after one uh, one. So week. naturally, I mean, it'll be Taylor. Wild. Naturally, right, it will exactly. be JJ Taylor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah,
1: yeah, no, I think that's the that is the kind of question. It, and I I come back to like, what can you live with with the whole Saquon Barkley thing, like. Can you bench him for Damian Harris or Melvin Gordon or, or someone in that tier? And can you then stomach, like, if he goes – if he's suddenly a full workload, because that's the thing, we're not going to know until we know with Saquon Barkley. Um, I think it's very easy to say, like, okay, stick Brandon Ayuk on your bench until you see him running a full complement of routes and clearly, you know, ready to rock from this whole situation. That's easy because receiver is not as hard to figure it out. With running back, though, like we're not going to know that Brandon. I mean, we're not going to know that Saquon Barkley loved that I got another Niners mentioned in there. We're not going to know that Saquon Barkley is back until he just has like a 20 touch game and scores a touchdown and goes over 110 yards or something. Like we're never going to know that until we know that. And that could be Thursday. That could be Thursday night. So it's, it's basically like, there's no, there's no right answer that Dalton and I can tell you as listeners and people out there, there's just like, what can you live with? Can you live with Saquon Barkley, you know, ramming it down Washington uh, right on Thursday night. And then he's on your bench and, You play Damian Harris, who gets 10 carries for 50 yards or something, and you feel like an idiot. If you can live with that, that's fine, and then you just move on forward knowing that Saquon Barkley's back.
0: Yeah, if you have a if you have a, a, an alternative that's solid, I, I'm fine with it and then just say 10 days, Barkley hopefully is closer to 100%, you know, week 3 hopefully he's a full go then. So yeah, it's just obviously just dependent on your alternatives, but it's a tricky situation, no question. Without without an obvious answer here, but hopefully hopefully he looks better than he did week 1. He was running a lot of east-west, yeah. um but uh, to be expected and uh, hopefully they're going to increase his workload and man that guy should obviously be looking at a ton of touches when his when he's capable of them.
1: No doubt. All right, well, Dalton, we covered a lot here today. We covered the 49ers in depth as as was must. It had to be done. It had to be done. Uh, we also we did a lot of stat work. We did the Thursday night preview. We got a lot done here today, and I feel like I got a lot smarter, and now I might be able to actually write my article for the end of the week here. So thank you to that. I appreciate you joining me. If you're on Twitter, you can follow me if you want at Matt Harmon, underscore B Y B. And you should follow at Dalton Del Don on Twitter for fantasy news and analysis from our whole team. Make sure you're following at Yahoo fantasy. And of course, while you're waiting to see the next tweet that our great Trevor Lewis, uh, the social editor sends out, you should listen to podcasts. It's the best time of the year to be a sports fan. And if you're looking to make a little scratch on betting on sports, you want to make sure that you are subscribed to Yahoo Sportsbook Daily on your platform of choice. Great stuff there. Absolutely love it. Dalton's going to be back on the show tomorrow with Liz Loza for a fantasy preview of all the Sunday and Monday games for week 2. I'll be back on Saturday with the DFS focused preview with TJ Hernandez from 4 for 4. Until then, we're out.